Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. John, the Rusty Outlaw. I'm Damien. And today we're going to be looking at Rusty Industry from the Yodeling Ogre. Then we're going to be doing a full review of Western Legends. So thanks for joining us for episode number eight. Residents of Meeple Town, if you were in this room right now, you would see Dean wearing a rusty cowboy hat, rusty chaps, and one rusty spur on his boots. Which one? One, one spur rusty on spur. Okay. I'm going with that. All right. I <laughs> so, mean, it's not like any of that is normal behavior, so. No, one rusty spur isn't one that abnormal, rusty spur. Because, you know, Dean, you're a weird guy. <laughs> You're a weird guy, and I'm just I'm just trying to let Meeple Town know how strange you are. Is this a uh, is this our next poll that we're gonna do? Just how weird how weird do you think Dean is? On a oh, scale there's a of scale. Okay, yeah, on a okay. scale of one to ten. Not just is Dean weird, but how weird is he? Correct. I wonder if I'm I'm pretty sure that people would say I'm weirder than you, but they do actually. That's that's, that's a true story. Well, the reason Dean is wearing rusty cowboy gear is because we're doing a review of. Western Legends. Western Legends. That's not cowboy. <laughs> that was like a, uh, a wrestling announcer or something. Hey, this is or, Western uh, Legends. Is that Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> Western Legends. <laughs> I'm not sure what came out of your mouth a second ago, but I think it was like an 80-year-old. That's why you have one spur, because you forgot to put on uh, your other spur this morning, because you're, uh, you're feeble. I was going with the old Will Ferrell, uh, Saturday Night Live, the Gus Chiggins. I'm Gus Chiggins. Oh, boy. It sounds just like him. I nailed it. Man, I'm pretty sure Saturday Night Live is going to call you up after <laughs> listening to this podcast. I'm like, dude, who was that guy? He's amazing. He nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. The other reason, the reason that everything is so rusty is that we are going, we get to do an interview uh, with the designer of Rusty Industry, which we are super pumped about as well. Yes. Yeah. So let me uh, do a poll. You know, I got to do my polls. I was disappointed in this poll. Look, you're smiling. You know what? You know what's gonna happen. Oh, in I know this what's poll. up. You know what's gonna happen. So because last episode we did a tile placement kind of episode, we talked about King Domino, Queen Domino, and between two castles. I decided to do a poll. I wanted to see what game, what tile placement game um, Meeple Town preferred. And I went ahead and threw Suburbia in there because... That's uh, amazing. I, yes, because I know that Dean likes it a lot. And they're doing the that new... Kick, is it a Kickstarter? Yeah. It is, right? It's Kickstarted, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the new Kickstarted edition of it. So I was like, you know what? Let's throw that in there and see what's going on. And see what Meeple Town feels like. And guess what? I just don't understand, folks. I just don't, my mind just doesn't get it. But first place, now it does get it for one of them, but first place was a tie between Suburbia, completely understand, Mm -hmm. and the one I don't understand is King Domino. I'm afraid that I'm influencing the people. I think, (laughs) you said it before, but it seems as if our listeners tend to agree with my opinion. I'm afraid I'm swaying the votes. That's, That's all I'll say. And Did you that, that King Domino is a really good game. Man, I and <clears throat> you know, I know I'm not going to beat a dead horse since we're in Western Legend mode. But 
I, I just I don't get the King Domino hype, and I, I, I but I do get that eighty percent of our listeners are probably going, "You're an idiot, John." King Domino is a great game, <laughs> but I will say that the second place, which was really pretty close, was between two castles. So King Domino and Suburbia got thirty-two percent of the vote. Between two castles got twenty-seven percent of the vote. And I also want to encourage Meebletown to say this was the most votes we've ever got on a poll. So Whoops. thank you for going on Twitter. Let's just keep it rocking and let's keep it rolling. Queen Domino was in dead last at 9%. And I'll say that I would say there's there's multiple reasons, but I'm going to guess Queen Domino might be the least played out of these games. Probably so. I, I For me, and you know, again, I played King Domino first, really enjoyed it. And I picked up Queen Domino, and I really enjoy it, but it's almost like an afterthought because King Domino was, was so, so popular. Big. Yeah, it, it reminds me, even though it's... <clears throat> I think that Azul Stained Glass has more hype than Queen Domino, but it kind of reminds me of the same thing. Like, a lot of people say they liked Stained Glass Ascentra better, but I don't hear near as much about it. And if we, when we did the poll, Azul totally beat it, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like this grand entrance. And then what comes next is just, you know, it's like you don't ever want to go perform after a really good act. And you want to come after me. The sequel, <laughs> the sequel is rarely better than the original. Now, on occasion, it's better, but but rarely. So the, uh, you just went down this road. I did, and and, and I have something I want to say after you say this. I'm, I'm going to ask you back to the future. Oh no, that's not what I was thinking. But 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 back to the future one is phenomenal. I mean, the yep. scene with the guitar, I've seen it a million times. But going to the future was super good too. Yeah, they're on par. I would agree for me. with that. Also, with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, when you throw in. Vanilla Ice, and... That was a good scene. That was a really good scene. <laughs> the original was still better, but it, it was good. It was can, really you, good. can you do a little bit of that turtle rap? The Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. <laughs> no, I can't. But I was... Okay, this is leading into what we're going to be talking about in the not-too-distant future, and that's Glenmore 2, which is a sequel to Glenmore 1. And spoiler alert, I think it's better. Oh, yeah. I think it's better. You know what I would love to do? I would love to you know, debate or talk about that. But since I haven't played Glenmore 1, I don't know. And I'm sad that I haven't played it. Um, but that's something that Dean and I have been playing lately is we got a chance to play Glenmore 2 and Holy Nuggets. It was, we only got one play in, but it has shot to the top or right around the top of my most anticipated games of the year so good it was stinking good and that's not even the physical copy of it so i'm i'm so pumped about this i am too it may have bumped up on my list a little higher too after playing it but good stuff i'm excited i'm very excited about it and um hopefully and don't hold us to this meeple town but it looks like we're actually going to get to do an interview with uh some of the or one of the fun tells guys on our our podcast so we'll actually get to talk about it in the not too distant we will so anyways just look forward to that and check it out also go on twitter and look up funtel games go on instagram so you can get updates on it because uh right now we are very much highly recommended and it's not just us like rotto rotto had it as number two and i really i really tend to like a lot of games that rotto he's one of the ones i feel like i uh he and i have this more similar tastes than some of the other folks and so and Slicker Drips, I think, also yeah. headed up pretty high there, which is uh, a channel that I love watching as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so good. Yes, you need to go check that out. All right. Well, now it's time to welcome Damien, who is Yodeling Ogre, onto the show. Yodeling, 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 yod
stop it. Yes. All right, residents of Meeple Town, I am thrilled because today we have Damien Soleil, the designer of Rusty Industry, which will be kickstarting fairly soon. Dean and I have had the chance to play Rusty with uh, Damien and really, really had a blast. So yes. it's really cool. Yes. I'm glad that you gave that emphatic yes, Dean. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we're, we're really thrilled to have him um, on, this, on this episode. It has been really fun for Dean and I and uh, Damien to play Rusty Industry. I'm, I, I really get interested in, in talking to folks like, how, how did you come up with the idea of, of this game? Um, you know, what inspired you? What's the process like? And I think that that's really something that a lot of the residents of Meeple Town will be interested in, in hearing is, you know, I think a lot of us go, man, I'd like to create a game. <laughs> I, pro probably anyone that's played a lot of board games have thought about, you know, what would it be like to create my own game? And I'm sure that a lot of uh, there are people listening that absolutely have. Um, and I've done the same. I've been like, oh man, I've got all these ideas. But when I start to kind of put them down on paper, I really realize like, wow, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to making a game. So um, we're going to just ask Damien some, some questions and we're really, really excited about it. So let's just dive right in. So, so Damien, the first question I'd like to ask is like, what type of games, what type of board games do you generally enjoy playing? Okay. Uh, if a game has a poor artwork, I find it very difficult to give it a chance. Mm. And let me explain what I mean by poor artwork. I mean, generic medieval illustrations, which seem to be like a plague among the industry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, poor graphic design, which makes your eyes hurt. And lastly, uh, I mean, game publishers trying to bite off more than they can chew. They yeah. want to have a lot of complex illustrations with a very low budget. Yeah. And Damien is, um, would be an expert on this because he uh, and his girlfriend actually did all the artwork on Rusty Industry. And I'll say personally, that was one of the first things that kind of jumped out to me whenever I, I saw it. I, I, saw the, I saw the box, I saw really vivid colors, and I really enjoyed that. And then um, what do you think, Dean? Like, I mean, I thought the artwork in the game was really, really good. Oh, I loved it. And it, I even after we got off the recording, I was just telling John how really enamored I was by the um, really all of it. The, the character cards I thought were really great. The, the the illustrations on there, but the the building cards are what really really drew me in. Just that um, that steampunk style. Um, I don't even know what what exactly the the style of art is. I'm the wrong guy to ask that, but it just looks so cool on the table. I love it. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that you like it, guys. <laughs> we do. Yeah, <laughs> no, we really do. And 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 I understand what you're saying too. Like, like even though the artwork, uh, for me, the the game mechanics are the most important part of it. But mm -hmm. the artwork does really matter, and it really also matters when you're trying to decide what game to play. Like, unless uh, you've had a lot of people say this game is awesome, like that's one of the initial things that piques my interest is when I see a box or I see, you know, the artwork of, of the board or cards or whatever and go, wow, that's, that's really neat. So I think it's really important as well. If a game has a good artwork, I'm very eager to try it. I'm really curious about innovative mechanics and I love when a game engages me mentally and has a good flow. 
Uh, my favorite mechanic is table building. Race for the mm-hmm. Galaxy is my favorite game. And I also love com- comboing cards, uh, looking for the best way to play them. Yes, I am a pretty big fan of Race for the Galaxy as well. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like for, for me in a game, it really has to mentally challenge me for me to really enjoy it. Like I do enjoy, have fun playing, uh, I don't know, just like uh, role-playing type games or just, just good fun games. That's cool. But for me to really say I really enjoy the game, it's got to give me some kind of a challenge. I think one of my favorite parts of games is figuring out how to be good at it. Right. And so like, I, I don't want anyone to, to tell me, Hey, you should, you should try this or try that. Um, I mean, I don't mind a little bit of that, but I like one of my biggest enjoyments is figuring out how to, uh, come up with the best strategy. I enjoy figuring it out. What about you, Dean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way, especially if you have, like you talked about the innovative part. Um, you know, if there's if there's a a game that has some sort of interesting, innovative mechanic, just exploring all those different facets, like you just talked about. So yeah, I definitely enjoy that as well. So Damien, what inspired you to create Rusty Industry? I mean, had, had you been wanting to design a game like that for a long time, or is this something that just kind of came up recently? Uh, let me start with that. I'm I'm a big huge fan of Nintendo games. Uh, I was always amazed how you start playing a game and you feel engaged straight away. You don't need to learn plenty of rules to play uh, or play two hour long tutorial before you decide whether you like it or not. So when when I started playing Zelda Breath of the Wild, I felt like that. Firstly, I found a stick, then I knew how to use it straight away because uh, the tutorial was invisible. Then I remembered how I saw that you can climb trees on YouTube videos, so I wanted to try it out. It was so easy to do and very satisfying because there weren't aren't many games where you can climb a tree. In the game, uh, in the Rust industry, you can do a lot of uh, with small amount of rules. I wanted I wanted to be like that. That's why <clears throat> there are only a couple of things that you can do. And uh, during the design process, it was one of the most important things for me to remember. And I think that's a lot of designers are probably going for that, where where how can I have a game where I can teach it in, you know, five minutes or so. And but it's not but there's a lot of strategy involved in in, in, in what I do. And and with uh, with Rusty Industry, it's definitely got this really cool engine building part. And there are a lot of uh, different, uh, and hopefully I don't say anything incorrect, Damien, but like there are different types of factories that you you can either get a brick factory, um, a clay factory. There's, you know, just a whole bunch of different ones. And you're, you know, you're building your engine uh, based on, what cards you're purchasing and then those are going to help you produce uh whatever resource to build stuff uh later on and the fun part about it i think is that uh you're also like you're kind of racing for which a factory because if you if you if dean purchases the brick factory before i do then it makes it more expensive for me when it's my turn so that there's a strategy that's i think kind of ever shifting in the game um man do i want i wanted that but dean took it now it's going to cost more maybe i should go and try to you know start with a different resource in a different factory so i like that yeah i do too i i really i was actually thinking when you were talking i was thinking about a game called detective um uh by Ignacy Shevchuk in uh, mm-hmm. Portal Games. And 
he had uh, Ignacio had asked the question on Twitter a while back about you know what's your favorite way to learn a game, and my mind immediately went to a detective in games like that where you can just open up the box and and everything is so intuitive that you can just play. You know the there aren't fiddly rules that you have to worry about and you don't have to keep going back to the rule book. Those are, are games that I really enjoy and 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 I do think Rusty Industry has uh, has some of that has some of that simplicity where, um, you know, the information you need is on the cards. Um, you know, you might need a, a round or two to play through, but you can really just kind of go from there after you've, uh, after you've begun to play the game. Yeah. Okay. So let's me go back to the inspiration. So okay. my biggest inspiration was the economy itself. I'm a big mm. fan of it. <laughs> yeah. And my favorite mu- museum that I've seen so far was, uh, in the, in Liverpool. It uh, is full of industrial revolution machines and shows cool. you how things used to look in the past. <laughs> I've seen many economic board games on the market, but none of them seem to allow other players to influence in-game economy much. I used to mm. play World of Warcraft a lot a couple of years ago, and I was intrigued how prices of different items changed in the auction house. So if, if, uh, if demand was uh, high, they go down. They went down, and when it was uh, low, they went up. That's one of the cool things that I liked about Rusty Industry was that you do have that economic trading thing. I don't know if I want to go too much into that now or if Damien will talk about that more later. But, I mean, you get to – if you're producing goods, you can sell them to, um, you know, your opponents at whatever price you decide you want to sell it to them at. Now, they can go to the – the banker or whatever and, and purchase them at a fixed cost. When they're in high demand, you can ask for more, but when they're in low demand, if there's plenty of them, then you're not, you know, you're not going to get as much. So I like that too. So you asked me about inspiration before doing anything. I immersed myself in information. I wanted to know what is available in the market, uh, what has been achieved so far and what is lacking. I have a lot of notebooks filled with concepts, uh, notes about the industry and plants. The game was like a baby forming in a womb. <laughs> yeah. That's a neat way of so, looking at it. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know what its gender is and you don't know how it looks like and how its voice sounds like. It is uh, there and you don't know what happens to it at uh, in a given moment. You just want it to be healthy and mm. some time passes and you look at it and your dearest first prototype. <laughs> I used Tabletopia to create our first prototype. Because of that, I was able to run playtests a couple of times per week with different people and be present during all of them. Uh, Playtesting the game was a very important part of the design. I was constantly trying different mechanisms and solutions. I was able to simplify the game and make it shorter by half. I wouldn't be able to make it so fun without constant support of our playtesters. I was going to say, would you say like, from the baby being formed in the womb to what you have now, has it tra- changed a whole lot? Like, has it really changed dramatically? When it was a concept in my notebook, it was like a set of ideas. Yeah. And it didn't look like, like a game at all. I love uh, board game design and I can't think of any other activity that which can engage me more. Yeah. And... Frustrations appeared when I needed weeks to solve a problem. I had to analyze different parts of the design. And after some time, I had a moment of, the, of a lot, enlightenment and everything started to seem easy again. Yeah. <laughs> and 
So it was a good mix of fun and stress connected with problems which appeared unsolvable. And uh, <laughs> there, there were some moments when I was afraid that the game won't work at all. So Damien, did you develop the theme or mechanics first? Uh, this is a tricky question. Uh, I had some of the theme I needed to find matching mechanisms. Uh, while I um, loved a mechanism, I wanted to find a fun theme explanation for it. Uh, both were constantly evolving with each other. Uh, so it was like a symbiosis. So another part of uh, game design always intriguing for me is like, uh, you know, prototyping and uh, that phase. And what, what, what intrigues me is like, if I have a baby, since we're going to keep using, using that, <laughs> I don't want someone to say my baby's ugly, <laughs> but you kind of need someone to tell you uh, that it is if if there are parts of it that you can fix and 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 obviously to grow it and to make it a really good game you're going to have to take constructive you know feedback or even constructive criticism so how did that process go of like prototyping it and also was it difficult at all sometimes to receive the feedback that you got or, or did, did you just did you enjoy the feedback even if it was negative playtesting was one of the most pleasant experiences wow cool <laughs> yeah all of our playtesters uh made a very good team uh we they were complete strangers to us at the beginning because uh, they we created a group on facebook and we started advertising it so we, we didn't uh, know much about these people so but uh, we got along nicely I did what I could to get a lot of uh, constructive feedback. I, I asked questions about the feelings, about mechanics, uh, gameplay and artwork. I tried to have a good relationship with uh, each of our playtesters so they weren't afraid to speak up. And I treated all of the remarks seriously, but sometimes I had to remember about my initial plan. Uh, I had to uh, distinguish general feedback from the personal preferences. Uh, yeah. Some yeah, so some playtesters were fans of heavy Euro games, and when they gave me feedback, they told me about improvements which would increase the playtime or complicate the rules. Yeah, I, I like what you said about developing relationships with the playtesters so mm -hmm. that they would feel comfortable in being able to share. Because that, that's one thing that I think that would be tough sometimes. You know, you even with people that you don't know. Um, people aren't always as willing to give that really constructive constru uh, constructive criticism that you need to be able to design this. And so you, you provided this atmosphere where everyone felt uh, kind of safe to be able to share the things that they were feeling. So I, I think that's great. That's, that's a really cool thing I've, I never would have thought of, honestly. It wasn't that difficult to do because people felt comfortable. They, they were a good team, so they could, uh, could have... Uh, exchange their opinions and uh, speak with each other on on the Facebook group. So uh, we had a very good atmosphere. Damien, another part that I thought was interesting was when you talk about having to wade through whether or not this is, you know, their personal preference, you know, for some people, it's just not going to be their style of game. You know, mm -hmm. John and I talk about games on here all the time that that he might love and I don't, and it's not that it's a bad game. It's just that it's not really my thing uh, and, and vice versa. We all have our own preferences. So wading through that has to be, uh, has to be kind of difficult, especially if you're doing some blind play testing and getting feedback um, from, no, I, I know you knew these guys and, and got to know them. 
but even then you might not know the, all their personal preferences in, in games. So that's, I, I didn't realize how, I guess, deep this process is and all the different layers of it. Yeah. I think, uh, you need to be aware of preferences of these people that helps. So you, yeah. you, you yeah. So you're, you know what to expect. Every time you hear uh, feedback, you need to ask yourself whether this will help the game or would it help the version of the game which that person would design? <laughs> Damien, one more question. I, I think one of the questions that all designers and really publishers have to ask is, is, you know, is this a game that you want to get straight out to market or are you going to go the kickstarting route? And as a, as a new designer, you know, is this a game that you want to pitch to, to a bunch of publishers or is this something you want to kickstart yourself? Because then at that point you become a publisher. So what, what was the thought process for you? What, what made you decide to go this Kickstarter route? This is our first game. Uh, Kickstarter is perfect for us because we need money to manufacture it. Uh, we can't afford to do it by ourselves. Additionally, we like the idea of interacting with people who want to support us. All right, Meeple Town, if you are excited about Rusty Industry, as Dean and I are, uh, you can go on Twitter and follow uh, Yodeling Ogre for updates. The The Twitter is, uh, the Twitter, <laughs> that Twitter handle is at Yodeling Ogre. Also, uh, you can go to Instagram and look up Yodeling Ogre Games. There's He's also on Facebook, and just look up, I believe it's Yodeling Ogre Facebook. If you type in Yodeling Ogre into Facebook, you will find it. Um, and you should definitely, definitely check that out so you can get the updates so that you can know when the Kickstarter is released. Western Legends is a two to six player game designed in 2018 by Colossal Games, designed by Hervé Lemaitre, and the artist is Roland McDonald, plays in 60 to 90 minutes, and is for ages 14 and up. In Western Legends, players take on the role of a historical figure from the American Wild West while seeking to become the most legendary player in this open-world sandbox game. They will decide up front whether they will play a short, medium, or long game, and they will be playing up to a certain number of points based on that decision. The game board is a map consisting of two Old West towns with areas outside and between those towns. Players start by picking their character card, gathering the resources listed on the back of the card, and starting in the location indicated for that character. On a player's turn, they will start by gaining poker cards and or money, and they will then take three actions. As this is a sandbox game, players can basically do anything they want, but certain character cards might encourage them to either go for the more honorable route of a marshal, or the more shameful route of one who is wanted. Overall, a wanted player can gain legendary points faster as they move up on the wanted track, but is at risk of being arrested which will reset that track. They're going the route of big risk and big reward. The martial player tends to gain points slower but is the safer route. Each path requires players to play to the strength of the martial or the wanted player. So wanted players will want to break the law efficiently for points and the martial will want to arrest the wanted player to keep them from racking up points while slowly gaining points themselves. Western Legends has a lot you can do, but I'll mention the actions that you can take without going into too much detail. One action you can take is to fight, and fighting can be done through arresting, dueling, or robbing. Each way of fighting will give different bonuses, but the combat is simple. Players will choose a poker card from their hand to flip over and compare with another player, and the player with the highest card wins, and some cards may have additional reactions in the fight that change the results. 
Players can also fight NPC players, but it's essentially the same except that there's a separate deck that's used. Players can also take different actions in the location spaces on the board. I won't go over all of these, but I will look at a few. If a player goes to the mine, they can mine for gold to get gold nuggets. With those nuggets, they can later go to the bank and deposit them for money and legendary points. At the same bank, a player can perform a heist action to move up on a wanted track and gain money if they're successful. You can go to the saloon to play poker with cards that you have in your hands in order to win money and a legendary point. You can go to the ranches to acquire cattle tokens, and if you're a marshal, you can wrangle the cattle and gain bonuses and a marshal point. But if you want to be a little bit more devious, you can sell the stolen cattle to another ranch to gain a wanted point and other bonuses. You can go to the general store and buy items that will give you bonuses and boosts throughout the game. As players move up on the legendary track, they're eventually going to cross over the predetermined threshold of legendary points. This is going to trigger the end of the game, and players will add up any additional points that they've earned along the way, as well as the endgame points from the martial and wanted tracks. Throughout the game, players can also take actions on their poker cards, trigger story card moments when certain requirements are met, and gain special abilities for their characters. But there's no way to list all the things that you can do in this game in a relatively brief overview, so let's get on to the review of Western Legends. Alright, residents of Meeple Town, today we're going to be You keep changing your voice. You, you were an 80-year-old man, and now you're something else. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to do a Western Legend voice. I need some help. How, how do I do it? You, you do it. Let's see what you got. You, first of all, you can't put me on the spot like that, Dean. Okay. It will come out naturally <laughs> as we begin to talk about the game. That's not very good. No, either. that's like you're, you got that South Carolina Southern draw. We're looking at like Texas, maybe maybe oh, New Mexico area, Something. Arizona. Is that, is that specifically what we're looking that, for, Dean? We need <laughs> we need to we need to ride around that like Texas where it's you know heading into New Mexico and yeah. you know. All right, let's try this again. Western Legends is a game that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> this is the worst. You have to keep this for the episode. Can't do it. Actually, I was You have at, to keep it for the episode. All right, believe it or not. Yeah, it's on there. <laughs> believe it or not, I've been practicing this. Oh, and I'm not terrible at voices, but we're going to talk about Western Legends and we're going to jump in and talk about the art and components without using an accent. John, art and components, what do you think? Well, I think, all right, I'll talk about it in for real voice now. Uh, the art and components, very good. Uh, I, I thought the art was great. Uh, I really, I thought the art in the box was really nice. I thought the miniatures were really well done. Uh, I enjoyed those. I have a couple little mini complaints about the miniatures, but... Mini complaints, I see yeah, there. Mini complaints, how about that? Man... It's just flowing. It's just flowing. Uh, the, the art on the board was was fine. I thought that the components were good quality. Um, you know, my only little complaint, my only couple complaints are uh, the general store. You have to be really careful with that general store. It's yeah. cool. I think you probably need to glue it together. I, I haven't done that, but I would imagine if you glue it together, it's fine. It's not going to fall apart. But yeah. So Meeple Town, when you're playing the game, there's a place where you can go to the general store to buy, you know, upgraded uh, a mule or um, a Mustang or an upgraded weapon or, or or even an initial weapon. Uh, and there's like a little general store. It has this. Um, I don't know. This, what do you call it, Dean? It's uh, a place to hold the cards. 
Card holder? A card holder. I'm trying to like speak it so Meeple Town can visualize it, and I'm doing a terrible job trying to help them visualize it. But anyway, the place that holds the card is a little, little, little wonky. Um, but I, it's cool that they have it. I would rather them have it than just have cards laying on the table 100%. Yeah, so I totally I'm, agree. I'm very glad they had that. And then the miniatures are really cool. Uh, my only complaint about them is there, there doesn't seem to be like... And maybe I'm just, and correct me, Dean, if I'm wrong, it doesn't seem like there's like a specific miniature for every person, and then you have bandits that you put on the board, and I was not sure who was supposed to be the bandits. There's a couple characters that had masks over their face, like a um, mm-hmm. handkerchief, yeah, a, a kerchief around their face, and I thought, oh, those are bandits, but there were only two, and they're supposed to, there's like five bandits, so I was struggling with that a little bit, but I did like that there were... They were all different ones, and the miniatures did look good. They did, and I, that's one of the complaints that I have too. Is you don't know which one matches up with uh, with what. Especially, I I honestly I would have I would have just rather have had all the bandits be the exact same miniature. I would have too. It get it. I'm, I might we might be the only ones. I know people are yep. really big on miniatures. Um, they're not the highest quality miniatures, but you don't you don't need to have them. You don't you don't even have to have miniatures in this game. But I I think they're a nice touch, and I I think the art. Is fitting for a Western game. You know, you have all those dull tones, yep. and like it's exactly what you would expect. That being said, that's not my favorite art style. Mm. You know, and but but I, I liked it. So it's, it's what just you different. should use it's in this what's game. Your taste? So, yeah, it's not it's not a complaint because I know that's what you should use in this type of game. Hundred percent. And I, I I really enjoyed the art on the cards too. I thought it was it was well done. Um, you know, the art for Jesse James. Uh, I loved how the cards. The poker cards that serve multiple purposes look like poker cards on the back. Yeah, they look yeah. like a deck of bicycle cards or whatever. So that was that was really cool. Everything um, art and component wise seemed to really feed the theme. Yes, yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the point. The card quality too, I think, is fantastic. Yeah. I really really like the card quality. I, I will say one of the complaints that I have, I think the board is is pretty cool looking, but. It's it's also kind of confusing because they use these uh, the lines to separate the different spaces mm. and they're you know they're these curved lines and they're really thin. It, there's one thick line around each of the towns. Those are fine to see, but then in some of the spaces you really have to get close to the board and in in kind of on the edge of the board there's you know maybe some confusion as to what's a, what's a space and what's not, but other than that it's not a big deal. Yeah. I, mean, I experienced that I think the first time I played, but then after I obviously knew where the, how the spaces went. I was pretty cool, but I did experience that. And then there were some places like the general store uh, playing poker where uh, that it shares like three different spaces. And so you're kind of looking and going, okay, is that what space is considered uh, the general store? But overall though, I, th- I, th- I thought that was, I thought it was great. And um, I know we're talking about specific art and components, but I, w- I am going to throw out that I thought the theme was really cool as well. Let's get into gameplay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, that's a good segue that, that I, is, is I, one of mine. I tossed your way. There we go. And you just you hit. Yep. And you knocked it out. I knocked it out of the park. Thematic. This game is so thematic. And I'm going to go ahead and say this up front. You're going to hear me complain about some things about this game. But my mind always goes back to how thematic this game is because it feels like you're in the wild west and you start speaking with this really terrible western <laughs> accent and it carries over to the podcast but that proves how good of the theme is yes. and how it draws you in like we honestly it's hard to sit here and talk about it without oh man i'm 
I'm a Jesse James. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you, you are drawn into it, and you you're gonna want to role play. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean, unless you just hate role playing, you're gonna want to. And yeah. To where you may even annoy some people, which is what I do often. One of the things that I feel like adds to the thematic nature of this game is the fact that it's this this sandbox nature game. So you start off in the game, you might be a marshal, you might be a wanted player, or you might just be a person that hasn't decided which path they're going to go yet, whether or not they're going to be good or bad. But then the game is wide open. You can do anything you want to do. You know, you can you can go, you know, hit somebody in the head with a whiskey bottle. You can yeah. go play poker. You can go duel somebody or catch bandits or rattle, uh, uh, rustle cattle. You can do, rustle? You can, is that the right word? Yes, okay. and you can mine for gold. And the voice, that the old man voice, that is the gold mining voice. Yeah, gold. Hey there, kids. We're going to go mine some gold. <laughs> <laughs> That just sounded awkward. I mean, like, why is he taking kids to go mine for gold? (laughs) Back on the track, Dean. Back on the track. Uh, The theme, great. You know what? I I really enjoy the Western theme. I don't feel like there's an overwhelming amount. There are games that are Western theme for sure. But this one uh, super, super, super draws you in from the beginning it's really cool like you mentioned that you can take the bad guy track and be wanted or you can take you know the good guy um and, and, and be the marshal and go arrest bad guys i don't know for me i don't know why but i have no desire to be the good guy if i'm in the west like i i i just i want to go and i want to rob some folk i want to duel them you know I mean, you could do that as a good guy you could duel but I, I don't know what it is about it but it's just it's just something that i i, I like that role of of taking on that kind of bad guy role, and like in the middle of the game, I remember having a blast going and, and mining for gold, and I was creeped out by the old man that was by the gold mines, <laughs> but I went ahead and mined anyways. Uh, but mining for gold, going and taking it to the bank, and getting my legendary points and money, and then deciding what the heck I'm gonna rob the bank now. <laughs> that was so fun, man. That's so fun. Yeah, I, I tend to I tend to gravitate towards that wanted player as well, and I wanted to try out all different facets of this game because you know we're doing a review of it, so I wanted to see what does it feel like playing the martial player, what does it feel like yeah. playing playing the wanted player. I will say, I think if you're gonna play this the first time, and you're playing a short game, I think it could be difficult. I, I'm not saying this is this is overpowered or anything or, or unbalanced anything like that. What I'm saying is I think it can be difficult to play as the marshal if you're playing, especially if you try to play a short game and it's your first game. Because if you play the marshal, you're not going to get a lot of legendary points right off the bat. You're going to have to, you know, you're in this for the long haul. You're going to be getting more points later on in the game. And so if you want to play that effectively, you really have to go after those wanted players. Because if you don't, they're just going to do whatever they want. You know, they're they're going to because they're getting legendary points every single round as yeah. long as they're still getting uh, you know, if they're gaining wanted points, they might get 3 legendary points every round and if you don't stop them, they're just going to keep doing it. So you keep need to arrest them, them and um, and also do the things that you need to do to get your legendary points to set yourself up for the long-term game. Yeah, which for sure. It's kind of thematic in and of itself, you know, that the wanted player is just like 
out there doing his thing, you know, doing doing whatever he wants to do and just getting all the points that he wants. And so the marshal really has to has to hone in on yes, that. They've got to police it. I mean, we experienced that firsthand when Dean, Dean and I played with my wife. Mm-hmm. My wife had never played before. Dean and I both decided to take this wanted bad guy role. And because it was her first time, and also because my wife doesn't tend to be um, very in your face, take that. And and in if you're playing the role of the marshal, if you don't arrest the players, you will lose the game. Yes. And she got waxed because she was hesitant to engage us. And, and, and maybe if it was you just me and her, you can't. You, got- you can't. You got to draw your weapon and take him. And, and maybe if it was just me versus her, um, but also with having Dean there, and she's just she's tends to be a nice person. So so it, it totally got waxed because of that, and because she, she hardly ever went after either one of us and um, and on the flip side of that the first time I played this game I was the only wanted player and I was just getting beat down I mean just just constant that is the challenge in this game if you're especially if you're playing with three players or something and and two people take on that role I mean maybe if you're the marshal it would give you more chance to arrest some folks so that that might be good but if man I could really see if you were the only wanted player and there's two people that are marshals that you'll get hosed Mm mm-hmm it, very difficult to win the game. I would think. Now, maybe I'm wrong and people are listening going, you don't know what you're talking about. But anyway. They think that anyway. That's uh, true. I get hosed <laughs> most of the time anyways. Another part that that's not my favorite is that you really can get unlucky in this game. Sure. I mean, really, uh, again, going back to my first game when I kept getting attacked so much, I just wasn't getting good cards. And so anytime I would have a duel or somebody was trying to arrest me or whatever that was, I would, uh, I would, I, I just had low cards, and I couldn't do anything about that. And it, it was, it was pretty frustrating. But it's weird because I was, I was getting frustrated that I was getting beat so badly. But at the same time, I was really having fun because you feel yeah. like you're in the wild west. So it, it didn't bother me as much. And that's, that's been my worst experience as far as that goes. Everything else, uh, other games that I've played have seemed more balanced in, in that. Yeah, and I, I remember playing <clears throat> one time as Wild Bill Hickok and like. Decide because he has a poker advantage, and I wanted to play poker, and I didn't have pairs and stuff in my hand, but I had some really high cards. I had ace, king, queen, whatever. And the, on the flop, I was just not getting anything, and like I think I played like four rounds of poker and won one, even though I felt like I had all I needed to do was flop an ace down. I'd at least have a pair of aces and have a chance to win, you know. And I just wasn't getting that, and I, that was kind of that was kind of frustrating. And so I'll say <clears throat> that if you are uh, highly strategic, don't like the element of luck in a game, then you probably will not enjoy th- this that much. Yeah. You know? If you're looking for deep strategy, you might yeah. not enjoy this that much because there, there is a lot of luck. The, the other part of this is that there's not, I don't think there's a great catch-up mechanic. If you lose, if you lose a game of poker or you lose a, a duel or, or any kind of fight, anything like that, pretty much every time you're going to draw a card, yeah. uh, draw a poker card, which helps... But I don't know if it helps that much because you can still really yeah. just get get waxed. It depends. Like <clears throat> I, th- I remember playing with my brother-in-laws, and my one of my brother-in-laws was back. We were playing to twenty points, and he was back probably uh, four or five points. And I thought, is he done for? Because because and he actually won the game. But if you get back about ten points or so, like if if for example, if a wanted player just runs the table and just jumps out. It is going to be really tough, I think, to come back. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'll say this, too. um, And this will be one of my um, 
one of my negative for me a little bit is that strategic element and and that as you heard me when I talked to Damien about uh, yodeling ogre and how I like games that really I have to figure out the strategy mm-hmm. it's not that strategic it is more let's just have fun playing this you know theme and I think someone just uh came to the door and Meeple Town. <laughs> <laughs> but like, seriously, like just having, it, it, it's a blast to play. Yeah. But if you're, if you want, like if, if you're a Euro guy or gal, you, you may not, you may not like, like if you're like mid to heavy Euros, this game isn't going to be all that strategic. You're not going to go, okay, well, should I do this or should I do that? But then some people are going to love that about the game because you don't have to think that much. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go play poker. I'll go mine for gold. Yeah. I'll go arrest somebody. Mm-hmm. And so if you like that, you're going to love this game. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be what you make of it. You know, it's it's going to be 100%. what you what you enjoy. If you don't like this western theme, if you don't if you don't like sandbox games, you're not going to like this because you know, somebody might look at this and think, "Okay, wait, I can do anything." You know, I can I can go rob a bank or yeah. I can go arrest or you know, all these different things. That's a lot. It's a lot to look at. But but if you think of it from a thematic standpoint and then think Oh man, I could do anything. So, and then you know, even if you teach the game in that way, you know, just say, "Hey, what would you like to do?" Yeah. I, I would like to go rob a bank. Okay, let me show you how to do this. You know, I, I like that you can teach it in that thematic nature. One hundred percent, and that's the whole like. I don't know how many. I'm sure that there's listeners that play a decent amount of video games out there. It's the Minecraft versus a game that you have a very strategic goal that you're trying that you're trying to go, and the game's pulling you down this path. In this game. I can build whatever I want, you know, uh, yeah. I can do whatever I want. And so certain people are just going to be drawn to one way or the other for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but if you like the idea of, of uh, open sandbox, if you like the idea of having a Western theme, I think you'll love this game. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and it, this game really makes me want to play other games like that. It's, mm-hmm. if, if you've ever played uh, uh, Merchants and Marauders or any games like that, it, it's a lot like that except just in this Western theme. And as far as I know, which is kind of a surprise, I don't know of any other Western open sandbox games like this, but I don't know why. Like this is, seems like, like such a, uh, you know, like such a, 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 a yields itself design, that. you know. Yeah. Uh, but let's go ahead and get on to our, our final ratings. John, do you want to... I'm pretty sure I did it first last time, so I'm going to toss it over to you see what you think. Well, let's uh, let's give the rating. I like to pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> if you haven't noticed that in Town, I like to pause. All right. So <clears throat> what I was just talking about when it comes to strategy, I think what, you, what, you'll, what you'll learn, and I want to, in this podcast... I want to give you my rating, but also explain um, why it might be a great game, though you might not. I might not like it as much as other people and different things. I do tend to like games that are more strategic, uh, games that I really do have to think about and figure out how to win the game. This is more, for me, more of a just a, a fun game. I do like that it is fairly easy to teach. I'm not. There's a lot of choices, and I say fairly. I mean, you're not going to bring this up with people who don't play board games very often. They'll probably be pretty overwhelmed, I would say. But if you bring it into a group that plays games, it won't take that long for them to to understand how to play it. So I I, I do like that aspect of it, and I love how incredibly thematic it is, and how you're going to get into the roles, and you're going to talk as western as possible, and hopefully better than the way I'm talking. 
and you'll definitely talk better than the way Dean talks. Um, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a blast if you like that. Um, so, but for me though, I, I do tend to go for some more. I want a little bit heavier strategy uh, from my personal taste. But with that being said, I'm still gonna rate it a seven and a half, which is a game that I enjoy playing. I won't turn down a game all that often. I, I, I but I will. There'll be sometimes I'd be like, nah, I'd rather just you know. <clears throat> play Newton or something like that, you know, but, but I, but I'll play it quite a bit. So I'll give it a seven and a half. Really enjoyed it. If you like games that aren't as strategic, you, I could see some people rating this like really high, like nines plus, you know, if that's the, your style, but I'll give it a seven and a half. Speaking of which, Oh snap. So for me, I, for me, I, I love Euro games, but I, I do tend to gravitate towards the experience more than, totally more than the that. mechanics. You know, if I, Mansions of Madness is, is a game that I really enjoy, the, the second edition, because you feel like you're a part of that world. And so I I really enjoy that. Western Legends has, I would say, quite a few problems. You know, with, with the catch-up mechanic, you can really destroy somebody in this game. Uh, with with the, the luck of the draw, you know, there are some issues there. Um, can, I, but, can I interrupt you for one second? Yeah. So, and the reason, we didn't bring this up. I did not like the two-player version of this game. Oh, yes. yes I, I, I know you, you probably want to talk about that, so I'll let you go on, but I did not like the two-player version, and that kind of took it down a little bit for me as well. Go ahead. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say that. So another one of the pieces that, that of problem with the game is that if you're playing a two-player game and you are the, the player that's kind of in the lead, I'll say this. If you're the wanted player versus the martial player in a two-player game, you are going to get beat down in this game for a while because you typically are going to go off with this higher lead and the you have this uh this man in black yeah this man man in black npc well no he's he's a he is an npc so he he is going to be entering into the game and constantly attacking not every round but he's going to be attacking a lot of the rounds a lot of the rounds because he comes out in between every play, every turn and so when he comes out I'll he usually he always target if he's going to target a player he's going to target the the player with the highest amount of legendary points which again is usually the wanted guy and he just gets beat down and it's not fun for that it's player not, it reminds me of the blue spiky shell on uh, Mario yes, Kart yeah uh-huh. we're like you're dominating and then you're just like Ugh, and you get hit by it and you're okay like I like catch-up mechanisms and you're like okay but then you get hit again and then you get hit again and you're like this is crazy there's no way i can win this if they keep throwing these blue shells at me no matter how hard i play no matter how well i strategize yeah especially if if that uh if the man in black arrests you and then you lose your wanted points and it's almost like you have to restart so that can be frustrating so i rate this game high because of the experience you know I, i can look past all the problems because for in my mind i think at the end of the day is this a fun game did i enjoy my time does it create stories and it does all of those things so for me, I give this a nine. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and and it's solely based on that experience. Now, if we are talking about the two player, it's not rated high for me at all. I will. I just won't play it two players. I think yep. you really need to have at least three. Um, and I think I, I've not played the six player, but I think that could be pretty fun if you do play it six. It yeah. could get. It could take a really long, long time. Take. Yeah, it yeah. would take a long time. But if you're if you're okay with that and just want to immerse yourself in an experience, I think that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, and there and there's a lot of great games that just aren't good at two player. Yeah, and it's okay. Though I will say that I have I've watched some reviews of people that enjoyed it at two players. 
So maybe Dean and I's experience isn't your experience, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And it it is interesting that we do. John and I both, you know, we like different games sometimes, yep. and, and sometimes there's. Uh, you know, our, our thoughts don't overlap. And so this is one of those times that I just love the experience and who cares about the mechanics? Am I having a good time? Am I getting to shoot people and mine for gold and all that good stuff? So, And, and that's exactly why I said I'm, people will rate it nine and, and 10. Like if, if that's what you're going for, you, you really should check it out. So here's, a, here's, a, here's our kind of last question we always like to ask is, uh, is it worth the price, um, what it costs? Because people, I mean, that's a question that we like that we ask. Like I weigh all the time. Like, did I enjoy that game enough to pay this much money for it? Right now, I've, it was a hundred dollars, right? Yeah, I think Amazon had it for seventy last I saw it. I think. And so for yeah, for me, it's not worth seventy dollars. I don't, I don't, I don't pay that much for a game unless I really like it, and I didn't like it enough for that. You probably would. Yes, because I did. You know, yeah. I, I did. I did buy. I bought it used, and so I got it cheaper. But, um, but I, yeah, for me, it just creates this experience. Now it is. It's quite the investment. You know, that's that's an expensive game, and yep. so you you. Re- I think you really need to try this before you try before you buy. You know? I agree with that one hundred percent. Check it out. And I understand why people would buy it totally, but for no, I mean, I I, I thought it was a fun game. If someone had it for thirty five bucks and we're going to sell it to me, I'd buy it and I'd have it, but. I just I couldn't part with seventy bucks for it. wasn't that wasn't that much for me. But again, as I've said seven times, if you like the theme and stuff, it could absolutely be worth that much for you. Yep, yep. It's whatever your tastes are. Yep. And for me, my tastes are a nine. Your that's taste what it gets is an eighty-year-old grandpa. <laughs> I give gold. this score a nine. John's gonna give it a seven and a half. And that actually is going to do it for episode... Okay, I'm pausing. I'm pausing because you have to say this whole part about the end of our episode (laughs) in that voice. And then I will be satisfied. Um, I'm not going to do that. Dang it. (laughs) All right, that's going to do it for episode number eight. Thanks for joining us. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Meepletown Games. And connect with us on the Meepletown Guild, guild number 3407, at boardgamegeek.com. And also subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meeple Town.